everyone, and welcome to the It's Canon Podcast. You're probably wondering, what the heck am I listening to? A midweek episode. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. We recorded this episode on Sunday, and we went just about three hours, and I actually flat out said that this recording's been three hours in a marathon. So right when we stopped recording, Phil and I literally looked at each other, and I think we thought the exact exact same thing, and Phil flat out said, split that up into two episodes. A three-hour podcast is way too much. So we have split up the episode into two shows. So earlier in the week, you were you heard us talk about all things geek we were talking about movies and we were talking about star wars and we were talking about this and that and then now you are listening to us midweek as we talk about playstation 5 and the reveal and we get into in-depth um discussion about backwards compatibility the games the specs our thoughts um you know you get to figure out just how different in age both phil and i are (laughs) because of what we were talking about and Phil's laughing in the background right now but you know it was a fun episode but uh, I fully understand that you know a three hour uh, listen along can be a little too much Um, so we decided to split up the episodes into two halves uh, because it was about three hours overall um, when you take into consideration we took a week off Yeah, you get two episodes there we go and that's Phil that was Phil that you just heard there. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good episode overall, and I hope that you kind of like the way that we split it up. We tried to split it up as best as humanly possible. Uh, so stay tuned. You will come back. Um, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear the second half of Phil's favorite song, Winds of Change, and then we're going to start talking about our picks of the week. And then we're going to jump into PlayStation 5 and all things PlayStation 5. So thanks so much. And we're back. I'm going to keep playing the song just for Phil. Jeez. We're talking about remakes and <laughs> man, oh man, that just comes out and slaps me like a 2 by 4 <laughs> Scorpions, come on. Nah, man. Let it happen. Just let it happen. Oh, jeez. Welcome back to the It's Canon Podcast, where this week we are talking about all things geek. In our geekathon, our geek mania, geekapalooza, whatever you want to call it, you know, we're getting back to the roots of the show on the It's Canon podcast. I am Boris, and as always, I am joined by Phil as I point to the webcam like a moron. <laughs> well, I think that's my cue. Hi. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm still doing? like rolling around a wind, a wind the, the scorpions tune there, the winds of change or whatever it was. Jeez. You should have seen your face uh, when you actually caught on to what it was. I could believe it because I felt like a little part of me died inside. So, <laughs> and not the song's great. I just hadn't heard the music version of it. So, yeah, I know. <clears throat> wow, that first quote unquote half. <laughs> Well, this is episode number two. (laughs) We took a week off, but we're going to double dose you. Yeah, exactly. So, like I mentioned, and I will mention again, all this week we are talking all things geek. We just want to get back to the roots of the show. We just want to 
um, you know, and some would say in a winds of change, uh, getting back to where we started, really. Um, and, you know, as much as I love what the show has become, there are times when, you know, we don't need to talk about conspiracy theories or how the world's going to end or how shitty humanity is. And we just talk about things that make us happy or remakes to piss Phil off or comic books to fill the uh, piss off Tyler. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> So now hey, that we're, we're back... all here to have fun and, and maybe get a little escape from, you know, it's obviously lots going on in the world. Yeah. I, that's we, we've discussed it. And yeah, I, I like talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's more, more where I need to go mentally. More of your... Oh, I'll give you an update. As if I, you know, I almost forgot Animal Crossing. Hold on. So <laughs> <laughs> you just like. It's hilarious because I, I was going to give you the signs of shut up so I can talk because I was going to ask you, hey, Phil, you know what we haven't talked about this week? Animal Crossing. Why don't you give our fantastic listeners a one minute-ish, so I can cut it and put it on Instagram, um, update on where you are in Animal Crossing. I have um, farmed, fished, and uh, ground materials endlessly. And I have now paid off my house. Wow. So I feel that's an accomplishment because that was two and a half million dollars for that last installment. And that's a lot of coin in that game to grind. And really? I don't do the turn up market. All right, everybody. I don't play the turn up game. Dude, you literally just stole my thunder yet again. Because here I was. <laughs> you see me holding, well, our listeners don't see, but Phil can see me holding my tablet. Because I am holding here on my tablet a IGN article that says <laughs> Animal Crossing poll. Are you still buying turnips? That is a racket. The turnip thing can fuck right off. Right, explain <laughs> to me, as someone who doesn't want to touch Animal Crossing with a 10-foot pole, what this fucking is. Alright, so basically in the economy that's in this game, all right, you can choose to grind and fish and all this other stuff but on sunday mornings this little thing shows up with turnips on her head and she sells you turnips all right and it's an arbitrary price sometimes it's 97 dollars for a turnip sometimes it's 107 dollars. sometimes it's you know more or less so she has got this arbitrary price you purchase them and then you have to go into little nook cranny which is your local pawn shop and sit there and because you buy stuff and you sell stuff. So I call it a pawn shop and there's two little raccoons running the place. All right. So <clears throat> you go in there and you ask them each day how much are turnips selling for. All right. And then they tell you, they give you an arbitrary price. Most of the time I'd fucking get pants in the turnip market. I'd spend 30,000 or $50,000 on turnips and then I'd get $20,000 in return because they only are good for one week. Then they rot. So they put a gun to your head. And the way, I guess, the exploit here that other people are doing, it's not really an exploit, but, you know, it, 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 you have other friends on other islands, and then you notify them when turnips are a high buyback price. So one time, the little raccoons shocked the shit out of me and were saying that they would give me $367 for a turnip. Wow. That was the only time that I've seen... You know, then I was like, oh, man, I wish I had 100 turnips now. Yeah. You know, you know, because that would be big money. It's easy money. But and as far as the game goes, if you're willing to put the time in, 
you're willing to just sit there and play it a couple times a day for half an hour, 40 minutes, you can do pretty well on money. Interesting. Very interesting. Turnips. It's, it's to the point where my niece actually went out and bought a Switch Lite and Animal Crossing so she can play now. And she's loving it. I, I loving just, it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I caught I so many sharks this week, and the sharks sell for like $15,000 each. <laughs> so that's how I was banking coin, because I think, I'm, I'm going to say this, hopefully Nintendo's not listening. I think the algorithm for fish are fucked up in this game. I don't know if it's just my game. I'm curious. Other listeners who are playing it, are you having this? Because I'm noticing that I'm getting runs on the same fish over and over and over again. So I'll start fishing, and all I pull out is seahorses. You know, I'll start fishing. All I pull out are flounders, all of flounders. And then I go through these runs where I get three or four sharks in a row. So it's weird. I'm getting runs never... just listening to this. Yeah, I know. This is like your Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> now I know how you felt when I was talking about Gilmore Girls. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. It's um, it's yeah, a really weird phenomenon, that game. <laughs> I, it's teaching kids very interesting lessons. Well, I, I started experimenting because I'm, I'm like, I clear cut an island. Because <laughs> there's absolutely no repercussions for anything you do when it's not your island. So I just went and started like cutting down every single tree, picking every single weed, and just, just filling my material store up in my own game. But just completely ravaging this like random island that they fly you to 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 do this to. <laughs> you can even destroy the rocks. Have you opened up your island yet? No, I have not. I, I, I. My guilty confession here is I don't have the Nintendo subscription. Uh, uh. I tried to buy it last night and it didn't. The store wasn't working. So I'm hoping to buy that soon, so at least my niece can come visit me on my island and I can visit hers. And give her some stuff to get her to move along in the game. Because she's already frustrated. <laughs> can't with this game. I fucking can't. <laughs> you, I just can't. I can't. I cannot. I can't. So what's your geek pick of the week, Boris? Alright. So every time that we have these geek-offs. These circle geeks. As I'm going to call them. Um, we will give our geek pick of the week. And it's just really anything in any medium. It can be a video game. It can be a movie. It can be a book. It can be a telenovela. It can be whatever you want. Um, anything that you kind of want our listeners to check out. Um, so this week, my pick of the week is actually a... Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a... It's, it's a book. Um, it's by Mary Lou. It's called Batman Nightwalker. Now, the reason why I'm laughing is because it's like really meant for teens more than anything else. Um, and it's a fun book. It's different. It's kind of different. There's parts of it that I like and parts of it they didn't like. I didn't like how they kind of changed the backstory to some of the characters, like Bruce Wayne. Um, and Harvey Dent knowing each other in high school, kind of weird, very C, you know what, this is a very CW-like <laughs> book, 
and there's a lot of CW elements in this book. Um, but Batman Nightwalker, uh, basically, you know, he's a teenager, so this is before he was even Batman. Um, he gets in trouble by the police because he stops a crime, but he doesn't do it legally per se. Um, and he ends up getting community service, and he works at uh, Arkham. He befriends a criminal, and shit goes crazy from there. Um, but it's really cool because like they re- kind of get into the seedy underbelly of Gotham, which is always my favorite element of Batman to really um, uh, take a look at and investigate. Because, you know, for me, Gotham is kind of like a character on its own. Um, so... It's a really cool book. Uh, it's Batman Nightwalker by Mary Lou. You should check it out. Like I said, it's a Y. Like a good old young teen um, novel. And I am feeling out a horrible stereotype right now. But uh, it is what it is. So, yeah. Phil, what is your pick of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with Shadows of the Dark Crystal novel. Uh, again, oddly enough. Um, it's a young adult novel. There's a series of four by J.M. Lee. And he's also did a lot of work on the actual Netflix show. And I think these books obviously were the base, uh, the basis of the show on Netflix. But um, they actually have different, like the characters may have the same names, but they're completely imagined differently in this. This is the um, before any of this became a reality for the TV stuff. And it's really fascinating to read. Um, you know, how these characters differ from maybe what we know on the TV show and also the little differences in the world, because the great thing about novels and comics too, the, I think age resistance comic came out this week, it's finally off its little hiatus of, um, coronavirus. So number eight's out now. Um, the great thing about this is that you're not limited to the practical puppetry stuff. So the worlds are explored in a lot different way. Um, you can have environments and whatnot that maybe you couldn't put a puppet in on TV or couldn't put a puppet in convincingly on TV. So it, it's interesting for that, you know, the seafaring and, and just the different, the different tribes, the, the Gelflings and, and how they relate to their world and how, you know, I just met in the second book there, song of the crystal or whatever it is um i just met what basically are deets people you know living in these caves and whatnot so it was a little bit different than than it was in in the netflix show but i i immediately knew what was happening you know it was it's all familiar yeah so it's kind of a fun little thing you know because you get to see rian and you get to gurgen and all these different people and gurgen's sister and there's a whole bunch of the characters that are in the show that are big characters in the books. So Very cool. that's my pick of the week. Yeah, that makes me feel better for picking a YA novel. It's just not me. It's yeah, just you know what? I, I find the young adult stuff sometimes gets a different leash, a different tolerance from publishers and content creators. And as well, they're pretty easy to read. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, they're not going to, beat you down with a lot of complex stuff you know that's what i like but that's why i like reading the expanse novels and stuff like that too it's they're well written you know it doesn't young adult doesn't mean that it's bad you know or that it's poorly written it just means that they marketed it to an audience you know but um overall i find that the content some of the best books in star wars are young adult 
material, like Claudia Gray, Lost Stars. Poof. I think that that thing stands up to anything I've ever read in Star Wars. It's probably had, had uh, way ahead of any any other book. Lost Stars, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's just mind blowing. Yeah, Claudia Gray uh, Bloodline was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, that one. I'm not as big of a fan of Princess Leia. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, th- there was some challenges in that because of the way, I guess, the decisions that Ryan Johnson made with Star Wars. You know, The Last Jedi. Um, there was some there were some decisions in that and how they portrayed uh, uh, the Admiral uh, Laura Dern's character, yeah, Haldo or whatever, and she was displayed way different in Bloodline, and then they they changed it up yeah. in the rewrites. So it made it really brings about a sore point for me, and that is the fact that the canon in the novels doesn't really match the canon in the movies, and it just is a piss off because you know just like in Aftermath or whatever you end up reading three freaking books yeah. and then when they disconnect from the story, not that aftermath did that really, but I'm just saying when it does disconnect, it's a bit of a piss off as a fan because you got my money for the books and then you get my money for the stupid movie. And then I'm like, what the hell happened in that movie? Because that character was completely different or they got written out or whatever. And that's why I still put all the blame on Kathleen Kennedy because she eventually, at the end of the day, allowed Ryan Johnson to make these significant changes from the story that J.J. Abrams laid out, and we were left with a completely different movie from what was originally supposed to be there, and, well, you know, it just didn't work out. So, at the end of the day, well, my, all, all the blame, in my opinion, should go to Kathleen Kennedy on, you know, what is now the dark circle that is... You know, Last Jedi. Well, I'm 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 not even gonna blame Kathleen Kennedy on this one. To be honest, I, I think that it's easy to blame Kathleen Kennedy. She's a fantastic producer, all right? Bar none, she is a fantastic production person. I don't think that she should I think that they should get a story person, you know, a creative content person in there in Star Wars land. And secondly, I think Disney and the board of directors or whatever, they're the ones that ultimately hold this bag of shit because they put directors against one another in these movies, and that should never happen. And it blows my mind because you look at what Kevin Feige does over under the same roof as Marvel. If that was going on, what went on in Star Wars went on in Marvel, Marvel wouldn't be anywhere where it is today. If you had movies contradicting each other and not getting their canon right, and not getting their timelines right, why the hell is there not people at Star Wars sitting down and putting together timelines? But isn't there? Isn't that Story. what they have? That's what they have. They have someone literally in, in a group of people literally looking at the canon of everything. Yeah, they have people analyzing it, but I don't know that they have the people needed to drive it. Like, I hear that Kevin Feige's now involved in Star Wars, so maybe that's the fix. I don't know, but the fact is, is that you have two movies in the Star Wars you know, sequel trilogy that makes sense and one movie that sticks out and, you know, love it or hate it, it it seemed to contradict what the other movie did and then the other, the, the third movie tries to undo what happened in the second movie. Which is why I blame Kathleen Kennedy because at the end of the day, the buck stops with her. Well, I, if she's wearing the creative hat, then sure. Yeah. You so, know, but as far as I'm I'm concerned, she's the production. 
you know, it just says to me that there's there's a void or a vacuum where there should be story control. Yeah. Right. And I'm not talking and, about the type of control that you need to do this or you need to do that and diversify this and marketing group crap. I'm yeah. talking about story. Canon. All right. What's they should have known exactly what each movie was going to be before they even went to the directors. All right. right. They should have said, we need these three events to happen to these characters. All right. I get number one, you took a chance. You know, you're going to see if you can revive the fan base. Right. It was already there, but you're going to see if you can intrigue them. And then you take those characters and you go, okay, we did the nostalgia mix. We did this, but actually people care about Ray. People care about Finn. People care about all these characters. So now let's come up with the next two movies. I thought JJ Abrams did that. I thought that was the whole point that they brought him in is to like lay it out. And that's why he only directed the first one. And he kind of left the reins for other people with the story already there, ready for them. And it was just changed I think up. My understanding is he had recommendations, but each director was told that they're responsible for their episode. Right. All right. So Ryan Johnson goes and he creates. And then, you know what? The infamous Disney and Kathleen Kennedy, again, this is where I do think she's guilty, starts interfering with that. Right. Yeah. And starts, you know, like, oh, well, I don't know if we like this story theme. You know, you guys are fired, Lord Miller. You guys go go away now, and we're going to bring, you know, Opie in and fix the movie. Um, it's just, you know, that that kind of shenanigans, and it happened in, in Rogue One as well, uh, you know, where they farted around with the directors afterwards. But you have to have a thing, something on the table that tells you what you're going to do. I don't think J.J. Abrams ever thought that Snoke was going to be killed in the second episode. No. All right, like. We all know that the Emperor was forced into the third episode just because of the vacuum left after the second. And good on Ryan Johnson for thinking outside the box. You know, it's not my favorite movie, but I'm not going to shit on it either. It's, it's, it's Star Wars now. you got to accept it. Love it or hate it. Yeah. It's Star Wars. So yes, the thing is, I feel it was like a Ryan, brave thing to do. Yeah. I feel like Ryan Johnson gets a bad like uh, rep because of The Last Jedi. Um, you know, one thing about Ryan Johnson is that he might not be the best at taking already established characters um, because we saw what he did with The Last Jedi, but he's a great director with originals and, you know, his own stories. Look at Knives Out. Like, that's a fantastic movie. Um, and, I have to watch that. Yeah, it's on uh, Amazon Prime now. Yeah, it's on Prime now. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know what? I follow him on Twitter. I didn't unfollow him or, you know, cast any aspersions to him about The Last Jedi from my standpoint. I do respect him as a filmmaker and I do, you know, it might not be the first movie I put in my Blu-ray player, but it's there. You yeah. know, there's there's some highlights in it. Like Looper um, was one of my favorite movies, you know, like. Yeah, Looper is great. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Original but, story. Um, a lot of video games uh, seem to feel like Looper. Um, that we'll be talking about in, in, a, in a couple minutes. But before we touch on that, there's one thing that I do want to talk about, and it's kind of like the what-the-fuck moment of the week. And that was came on Monday or Tuesday when you sent me a message of Dave Filoni wearing a Go Train t-shirt. For those of you who don't aren't from the GTA Toronto area, Go Train is kind of like um, t- Toronto's intercity rail network. Um, and Phil sent me a picture of Ryan Johnson pretty much wearing a... No, Dave Filoni. Dave Dave, Filoni. Sorry, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. 
whoa, yeah, Dave Filoni, of him wearing a Go Train t-shirt. Yeah, so story behind this. I was watching the Disney Gallery show, and Dave Filoni is wearing this Go Train t-shirt. And Go stands for Government of Ontario. So it's government owns the trains. And this guy's wearing a, an obvious, you know, because the trains have a very distinct look to them. And you can see the logo with a go on it. And go figure. Huh, I don't know figure. if it's just a pop culture t-shirt that he's got on. But Dave is pretty particular about branding. Because he does the wolf stuff, the hat, all that is yeah. very on point for him. So I'd love to know. My favorite um, Dave Filoni shirt is, I saw it like a bunch on the internet. It was uh, the Asuka Lives? Question mark. Yeah, Ahsoka Lives. Ahsoka. Yep. That's my favorite one. Yeah, that was, and the the funny story about that is that he wore it at a convention. Yeah. And it sparked up people because, you know, everybody was thinking she's dead after Rebels and here he shows up with this t-shirt and you know the rumors that she's going to be in mandalorian season two yep well we'll see what happens so those are our picks of the week we kind of diverted like we always did but that was a good chat um and by the way kathleen kennedy did ruin star wars so that we're gonna end it there Um, no, just it is what it is, really. Um, it's up for debate, and it will be one of those things that I'm sure that we talk about every few episodes. Um, but yeah, so the big news of the week, I guess, was on Thursday when Sony un- finally unveiled the PlayStation 5, and we finally got the first glimpse of what this system actually looks like. Um, and they kind of not only gave us a, t- a look of the actual system and the controllers and the accessories and the peripherals, but we got some trailers and previews to some of the actual games and the gameplays um, and the gameplay... I'm hearing a weird echo, so sometimes I don't sound like I'm speaking proper English <laughs> to myself. Um, but in terms of the games, these are the games that we got a special preview to. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V, Marvel <laughs> Spider-Man Miles Morales, which we'll talk about in a second, Grand Turismo 7, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, <laughs> Project Athea, Stray, Returnal, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, Destruction All-Stars, <laughs> Kina, Bridge of Spirits, Goodbye Volcano High, Oddworld Soulstorm, Ghostwire Tokyo, <laughs> Jet the Far Shore, Godfall, Solar Ash, Hitman 3, Astro's Playroom, Little Devil Inside, NBA 2K1, Bug Snacks, Demon Souls, Deathloop, Resident Evil Village, Pragma, Horizon Forbidden West. Those are the games yeah. that were essentially. How many met. retreads do we get in there? <laughs> I hear Odd World is just a redo of one of the older games. I hear Gran Turismo Seven is going to be even better than Gran Turismo Six. I hear, I hear NBA, the new one, is is better than the old one. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a new Call of Duty in there, and we're Rockstar just mailing it in and giving us the same freaking game we've had for seven years. Yeah, it is <laughs> but it'll years. look great. Like <laughs> the things I saw out of there are 
I like the idea of Stray as a cat person myself. Um, that one, I was just like, okay, I didn't see this coming. Um, I do, you know, just to expose my full hypocrisy, the idea of the uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales thing, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, the world could use more Spider-Man games. Um, I just don't know what the heck it is. They say it's its own IP, similar to the other game, but not quite the same. So who knows? And they're saying it's going to be out this year. So it'd be kind of fun that way. Um, yeah, you know what? Console launches are tough, man. Like good on Sony for jumping out and, and putting it out there yeah. and giving us pictures of it. And I know people are saying that's freaking huge and whatnot because they're scaling it because it's got that 4k drive in it so that you can tell how big the cd is and then you look at the rest of the real estate for this thing it's a pretty hefty hefty little unit yep. um i like the looks of it i know that that's a big topic of conversation for people love or hate what do you think boris i like it all things considered let's take a step back you know, we'll talk about the looks, then we'll talk about, you know, other, and, and we'll finish other stuff, and then we'll finish off with the actual games. So in terms of the actual looks, I like it, you see, but I approach this very differently than a lot of um, people do. Like, you know, it's no secret, I used to work at BlackBerry, you know, and, and the amount of technology that would go into those phones at the time, um, you know, they that really controlled the look of your device. You can only make things so small. You can only put so many heat sinks. You can, you know, technology is limiting us to a certain extent on what the actual industrial design is going to be. So in regards to, like you said, the disk drive and, you know, all the technology that goes in there, some of it just you can't get small enough to make it look sexy and sleek. Who knows what the temperature the actual system runs at. So that's why it's, you know, there are various heat sinks and whatnot. And, you know, it, it's curved and, you know, created in such a way that it can disperse the heat these are the things that you know um the uh, technology people technology minded people take a look at it might not be the most appealing and appeasing to the eyes and that's what makes the difference between like a sony and an apple and apple is fantastic at industrial design um so you know but overall i like the way that it looks if you compare it com compare it compare it to you know xbox um the new Xbox Series One, the Borg. Yeah, exactly. It's a fucking square, you know. And and there is a there is an element to the Xbox design that is appealing. Yeah. Like in its simplicity, and whatnot, it it'll make it's, a good... it's it's, it's kind of cool. It it is a cool looking console. I think PS Five goes for the flash yep. a little more, like definitely with those fins and the yeah. two tone, you know. And they have another version of it without the drive if you don't want a four K super ray drive yeah there's a you know digital only yeah so i know eb games and GameStop are crying over that you know xbox has already done that with the xbox one s you know digital all digital con uh, yeah. console to, to get that price point down so it tells me that it's probably going to be and i know they didn't talk about this but it's probably going to be fairly heavy price tag especially here in canada i know if you know the rumor is it's going to be 599 dollars american but that's like eight hundred dollars Canadian, yeah. <laughs> hey. and and dollar for dollar you get the same thing, you know. It so makes, we we pay more. 
it makes sense that the grand in the grand scheme of stuff like that it's going to be a super expensive system it is like if you take a look at the actual specs itself it's actually crazy what's what's actually on the inside like if we take a look at the specs it has eight zen 2 cores at 3.5 gigahertz um the gpu is 1028 t uh tflops 36 cus again 223 gigahertz um it has a custom gpu 16 gig ram um uh, the io throughput is crazy at 5.5 gigs um and it's got the 4k ultra hd blu-ray drive um it's just like when you take a look at the parts and pieces themselves sony is probably spending three to four hundred dollars a piece each before yeah. it gets to consumers you know what i believe it was a playstation 3 that they were taking or two i forget which one that they took a hit uh, on three Three. They took a loss. They took a yeah. loss yeah. of like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars a unit per unit. But you know, it, it it worked out because once they released the second generation of the system of the hardware, they were able to kind of bring those costs down and the parts were smaller. So that's why you get variations of the system down the line of their slims and whatnot. It's the this is the first version. You know, everything is gonna be a lot more expensive right now at launch because this stuff is that state of the art. And you know, taking a look at the specs this is a huge jump compared to the playstation 4 playstation 4 is already seven years old like it's actually crazy if you think about it like you know seven years in between systems that's that's quite a bit of time um so you know i think that in terms of price point it makes sense in terms of the whole optic drive and you know not having a or just having the option of digital only it makes sense these companies obviously get a bit of money every time they sell something on their store um eb and those games and those stores they're just gonna have to kind of conform um and kind of see what they can do by selling the digital codes to games what can they do to get you into the store um you know to keep getting we you... must buy more funko pops that's that's exactly where i was going with that is you know yeah. that's why we're seeing eb games or gamestop as our american fans know it as getting toys and, and collectibles and exclusives and i'm sure that even uh moving forward without having the physical copy of the game eb will still be able to sell exclusive the eb exclusive version of a digital game if you get the 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 download code from eb as opposed to a sony store or a microsoft store or something like that so you know in terms of price point it makes sense um in terms of release again that wasn't official uh everyone is saying holidays 2020 so probably thanksgiving ish you know between thanksgiving and christmas to me makes the most sense um what I did find interesting, though, is that there was no information on actual pre-sales, which leads me to believe that they don't even know how many copies of the system they're going to have at launch because of the pandemic, because of if you think about how a piece of electronic is created with so many parts coming from all around the world coming together um, and supply chains really being cut off because of the pandemic, we don't know what these supply chains look like. We don't know what type of a hit, um, you know, they even took in the supply chains. Like, are they getting enough CPUs for the amount of systems that they wanted to initially create? So I think that's why they're kind of holding off on pricing and actual release and pre-release uh, on sale date because of those reasons. We don't know. There's still a lot of unanswered questions from the pandemic. 
Yeah, well, what I was reading this week, interestingly enough, is now they're fearful that they're going to have too many consoles on the market because they feel demand is going to be absolutely low because Because of this pandemic. People just don't have the extra cash to spend on their console. So they're worried about surplus now. Like it's no longer a supply chain, like as much as a supply chain as it is about consumer money, disposable cash. And that's that's the big concern leaking out of these console makers is, you know, <clears throat> they seem to have overcome a lot of the where are we going to get the parts now that they've decided on it. Uh, you know, for me, I look at this whole thing and I go, it's your move, Xbox. You know, last time you guys went first with the Xbox, you know, one X and or whatever it was, Xbox one. Uh, you guys went first and you kind of shit the bed and, uh, Sony went in and just completely revamped their launch. And I get it. That's why Sony and Xbox don't do this anymore. So Sony went first this time and they put it out there and worry that I have is that Sony's got all the exclusives. Microsoft are getting burned on not having much aside from Halo and Gears of War. There's not a lot, you know, for, for uh, Horizon or Forza. Um, there's very few titles that really compel you to stick with an Xbox. And, you know, all your friends are going to have PS5. Yeah. So that's another big determining factor for Xbox. Xbox are sitting there just going, like, I just can't see the logic in what they're doing. Well, I get what they're trying to do. And that is buy indie game developers and try to get exclusive content from them. But it's not AAA, man. You know, and I know some of the games that were premiered for Sony are going to be on. I think GTA V is going to be on the Xbox, the new one. Yeah. Man, oh man, I can't wait. There's going to be some exclusive. Larry Herb was all over Twitter. But, you know, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Spider-Man is probably one of the biggest franchises out there. And that's exclusive to PlayStation. Yeah, like, and you know, PlayStation have gone out and they've gotten, and you know, feather in their cap to Guerrilla Studios. All right, you had a company that was making games like Killzone, which weren't bad games. Yeah, but Horizon is head and shoulders a totally different, compelling game. Like we're like that is in the sci-fi slash realm of CD Projects, The Witcher for me, as far as you know. The experience, the world, the exploration, everything. Yeah. And, you know, to to be able to headline with that as a sequel, you know, just really speaks to how amazing Sony's developers are and the breadth of them. Because they're not even talking about God of War 2, you know, or any of their other big stuff. You know, Last of Us 2 is coming out for PS4. You know, like like they've got they've got such great developers making exclusive content for Sony, single player, multiplayer, every type of thing. You know, Uncharted. You can only imagine how many home runs Sony has just waiting to unpack and beat down Xbox with whatever their next move is. I have a question for you. Very serious question. Sure. And I own both consoles, by the way. Which you may have already answered my question, but. You think, Uh, we've talked about streaming services, 
we've talked about you know um streaming rights and exclusives and exclusivity and that being the key and the destruction to streaming services in my opinion do you feel that having so many exclusives for sony and and you know on the other side of the coin exclusives for microsoft do you feel that that is hurting the video game market more than it's helping their bottom dollar? Uh, I think the competition is good in the sense that it's trying to keep both companies honest. Like, let's face it, we need to have two video game companies at yeah. the very least. And Nintendo, I don't even put in that ring because Nintendo no. is its own. I, I, I had this problem this week explaining to my niece about a nintendo and i'm like you know i'm like when you have a nintendo you get that it's nintendo it's got its own its own exclusives like mario and animal crossing and all that but when you look at sony i don't fault them at all for going out and getting this this amazing content i i'm mad at xbox microsoft that they didn't take more care in their ip they should have been locking up more content. Like, why bother publishing a, a box or a gaming system if you don't have games? Crackdown 3 sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the biggest series. Like, sea of Thieves was their big, like, out of the blue hit. Like, uh, yeah. eh. Sea of Thieves. Um, I'm not touching that one. Um, you know, I think they dropped <laughs> the ball big time uh, because Mass Effect was a xbox exclusive until three and then they dropped the ball and you know there goes that exclusivity and i'll be honest that i had an xbox 360 basically only to play mass effect yeah and it's funny because you're right there was a bunch of games that were on the xbox that were pretty much only available there i guess because developing for sony at the time had its challenges uh so you had games like mass effect and bioware you know if anything, Bioware is just killing itself in the market yeah. after the debacles of, of what's gone on with yeah. its its content and whatnot. Yeah. And nothing lasts forever. I get it. But, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm really applaud Sony for for understanding that gamers want a game. Yep. I guess. You know, like Xbox, you know what Xbox is selling this on? You're going to be able to play all your old games. And the Xbox Live Pass or whatever it is, I've had this which I subscribe to that, yeah. and I like it. I like it. it's like Netflix for games, you know. I I found out really quick, Kingdom of Hearts isn't a game for me, yeah, because I had it on my Xbox Hall Pass or whatever. I could just go download it, you know, fire it up the next night, and I go, ooh, yeah, yeah I don't like this. Glad yeah. I didn't spend my money on it. Yeah, you know. Yes. And then there's games that you do like, and you play it, and you get your achievements, and you're happy. Yeah, right. Remember, uh, but. If we take a look that at the, service needs titles. Yeah. If we take a look at the marketing itself, you know, I find that Sony is gearing itself more towards gamers. It um and, and I'm talking about like console gaming. Like I don't even want to touch PC gaming. I know people who are PC gamers look down on console gamers with a holier than thou mentality. Um and you know who you are. But, you know, in terms of console gaming, I find that Sony really um, markets itself as a as a gaming system first, and it does other stuff. Whereas the way that Microsoft markets itself, it's your all-in-one media box. You know, it does everything. Yeah, the biggest use that my Xbox 360 or Xbox One S has is it's got a 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah, 
Like, honestly, so if I buy a 4K movie, like an actual disc, I know I'm old. But I like being able to watch content on my own. Mm-hmm. If I put one of those in, it plays and it looks pretty. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's basically it. It was a really cheap way to get a super drive. Yep. And uh, as well, there's a whole bunch of old content and whatnot. Microsoft are sitting on, on a mine of stuff. Yeah. But they just don't seem to bring out Crimson Skies too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you never actually answered my question. Is it hurting the industry or not? No, I think competition's good. Yeah. Phil thinks competition's good. Oh, did you see good. Did you see the other news this week? Uh, what's that? Uh, Cuz I didn't talk to you about this. What's that? EA are making a new Star Wars game. Oh. The the leak uh which then uh EA had to say, "Oh, became, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. it's true." Yeah. We're so, making a, a, it looks like a flight simulator or something, like something about, you know, about uh, uh, X-Wings versus TIE Fighter type stuff. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Squadrons or something along squadrons, those lines. Yeah. yeah um, it was yeah. Com- like kind of inadvertently confirmed by EA through a weird leak, um, which is kind of hilarious. Um, and it just, you know, I believe that the trailer is coming out and I'm vying for time to see this and confirm. Yes, the trailer is coming out Monday, June 15th at 8 a.m. Pacific. So 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, we'll be yep. able to get the first official trailer of Star Wars Squadrons, which it came up with this little ad last night. Pilots wanted with there an X-Wing go. on the tarmac. There you go. That looks so cool. That looks so I know. cool. Um, which... I've always been a huge fan of their fl- flight simulator games. Like, I absolutely loved the old X-Wing and TIE Fighter PC games. Those I so- bought it for my PC, man. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it on the Steam store, and I'm like, I gotta buy that. Yeah. TIE Fighters was so good. Like, those two games were, were great. And then on N64, we had Rogue Squadron. Um, that was a game that I really liked. And I know that there was a sequel. The name evades me, but there was a sequel to rogue squadron i've always been a fan of the flight simulators of the of of, in star wars my favorite boards in every um star wars game is you know hey when you can take flight of of one of uh, of an x-wing or or whatever Uh, my favorite Mm -hmm. board in shadows of the empire was always the last board when you blow up the death star um and yeah so the, the yeah, and, and the great thing about that is it's going to be probably coming out for both consoles because yeah. EA isn't really tied to any exclusives. They're their own company. Um, I guess, you know, going back to your original question, though, too, it speaks to the industry, though, that basically these these independent titles, these, you know, these these exclusives have to be owned by the company. You know, that it, it's interesting, you know, yeah. like there's just not that many software companies out there anymore. Like you have Activision and EA and, you know, making the call of duties and overwatch and, you know, these titles that kind of cross over and Ubisoft as well. I, I know Bethsaida, there's a bunch out there, but it just seems like most of the power stuff though is, you know, really hitting in Sony's corner. Well, just remember like, you know, like you said, Xbox is going out and I'm sure Sony is doing the same but they're buying all of these um, uh, video game companies. Like uh, Microsoft a few years ago bought Rare. Uh, Rare made games like mm-hmm. Battletoads and uh, 
um, Perfect Dark and GoldenEye 007 and things like that, and, you know, Xbox now owns them, uh, which is why the new Battletoads game that was coming out was an Xbox exclusive. So, you know, so to answer my own question of is it hurting the industry overall, I say no, because, you know, there are people at the end of the day in the life cycle of a full system a lot of people are going to end up getting both systems at launch. Yes, it could hurt it because you're 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 pretty much being told and forced to choose one just because of the price points. But you know, over time, you'll be able to get both of them. Um, yeah. What is cool though is you know companies like EA, um, Activision, and those types of companies are now really investing a lot of money on cross-platform gaming. Uh, we've seen it with Modern Warfare, uh, with, um, you know, having the cross-platform capabilities. So whether you have an Xbox or a PlayStation or a PC or, you know, whatever, you'll be able to play with your friends regardless of what they have on the other side. So that's kind of cool and kind of counterpoints the whole, you know, exclusivity part of it and that's how these third-party developers are really able to go forward and 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 you know help overall so you know overall i do i do i think it hurts the industry at first at launch of a new system but over over time it really doesn't matter because people are going to own whatever system and or both systems um throughout its life cycle uh so Going back to the, it's, it's going to take two years. Like yeah. it's going to take two years for the dust to settle and for for us to be able to make any informed decision that's not a gut reaction. All right. So I know. Oh, I'm probably going to go PlayStation, not because PlayStation was announced this week, but because that's what my friends play on. Yeah. Right. But it's going to take two years before they start developing quality titles that take advantage of that system. Up until then, they're going to be glorified demos. Yeah. Like uh, that's my fear. And it's been proven to be true in the past. Like, there's been games in PlayStation 2 and stuff that were just shit on launch. They looked great, but they didn't play great. Well, look at PlayStation. And they didn't have great writing. They, they were rushed pieces of crap that, that got forced out and put into the churn at 60 bucks or whatever the price point was to get my money. Yeah. Remember, and to show off the system and make me feel good about my, my purchase. The launch but of a system typically is a weird time for developers because you are still trying to figure out the technology to the new system even though you have all the experience with the old system and their apis and you know whatever engine you have to build the game off of so it's kind of like a really awkward time for a lot of developers and there's a lot of questions that you know a, you know a game might start off on this current generation console but then you know the distributor me being or that being Sony or Microsoft will say, hey, we'll give you whatever you need and we'll support you if you can port your game to the new system, the updated next-gen console. Um, so a lot of times the games that come out at launch aren't necessarily made, aren't necessarily made for that actual next-gen console. It's very rare that we, or there's at launch there might be one or two games that are actually meant to be made for that new console. So you're right. A lot of times it's yeah. vaporware and, and bullshitware, as I like to call it, in terms of what we actually get. And it takes about, you know, a year for actual games and good content to really start coming out. When PlayStation 4 came out, you know, outside of FIFA, FIFA is FIFA, um, but, you know, there was the Call of Duty Ghosts game that came out, 
And that was really the only game that I played a lot of at launch up until... I don't even remember what the next... play. I guess Dragon Age was the next PS4 game that I really bought. And that was, you know, a couple months after launch. Yeah, and you know... It, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the games. Like like you say, that, that I don't know if they retrofit the games or whatever. But, you know, even back then... That was such a convoluted launch between Xbox and PlayStation because of the revolt that consumers had, right? Where Xbox totally miscalculated. Sony completely re-rigged the presentation. Yeah. Right? And they go out there and they just basically say, whatever Microsoft told you, we're just going to do the opposite. Yeah. Right? Because we hear you're mad. And then it, it, it impacted games too because that put a huge delay on games like The Division and whatnot that were la- promised to be launch titles for the PS4. That ended up taking a year or two to get out because there weren't the same uh, uh, conditions inside the console's uh, workings. Yeah. So the social aspect of it being able to, to be honest, I don't know what the heck we were all complaining about. But remember the idea that you could digitally lend a game to a friend? Yes. You know, all this stuff. Like the, these were the things that Sony and, and Microsoft were saber rattling about. Sony or Microsoft go out there and make the announcement and, you know, maybe it's revisionist in, in its memory to me, but, you know, Sony went out there and people were like, no, I want my discs. I want this. I want that. And they will look, most of the sales I think are digital, right? Like a lot are, I don't know. I, I, I pre-bought last of us two. It started downloading. I've downloaded it. Yeah. It's on my, my hard drive right now. I'm just waiting for it to unlock, yeah. you know, on Friday night Yeah. or Thursday night, Thursday night. Friday morning, yeah. whatever you want to say. Um, no, that's exactly it. And I think that's that's a very important point that you brought up is that whole sharing experience among gamers is that, you know, at the core of it, people don't share games the way that you used to. You know, it takes so long for you to even finish a game that by the time that you're done with it, your friends probably have already played it or they found a used copy before you could finish it. And I remember there was... A few years ago on Xbox, I believe it was Battlefield, and I bought a used copy of Battlefield, and it was so restricted on what I can do that I needed to pay extra money for the online experience, which unlocked the entire game. I'm like, fuck that, you know? So these systems are already not wanting you to share your copy of the game with other people. There's so many restrictions that they're... The developers don't want to, right? Like, look at Mark Rain and Epic. He's just, like, dead set against the resale market. And I get it. Like, it must suck because you put a lot of work into creating X copies, and then you put them out there, and people are trading them, you know? And they're not getting a cut of that. So I get it as a creator. I'm not going to bag on on the people who create. Um, I totally understand it. But as a consumer, though, you have to understand, video games, I think, take advantage of us more than any other medium in terms of over-promising and under-delivering. How many times do we see games that say, oh, we're going to give you 60 frames per second, 4K, blah, 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 and that thing is shit. Like, look at Anthem. Look at Anthem. Yeah. Everything about it was just like, oh, my God, this thing is going to be awesome. It looks like you're going to be flying around like Iron Man and all this. And the game was literally launched broken. Yep. They're still fixing it. Like, it's going to take them years. And people are going out there and slapping down hard-earned money on it. And you can't blame them for abandoning that product. And Maybe someone else loves it. I don't know. 
I gave it up after it started report, reports started coming out that PlayStations were melting down because of the game. Like they were physically bricking. So I was just like, okay, I guess that disc is never going into my system again. Didn't like Fallout, Fallout 76 have this had the same issue. Oh, Fallout 76. Oh my god. I I won't even touch that. Bethesda as a yeah. company. All right. I okay, to their credit. The um, Wolfenstein stuff is okay. Yeah, and they do have they do have the capacity to make a pretty good game on launch. Yeah, but my God, is it ever a joke between me and my friends about Fallout and anything else like that that they that they do is just bug infested crap. Yeah, until it gets patched. Yeah, so I'm like, and I and I'm an idiot because I go out there and I buy it day one no matter what because I'm so excited because all the side chatter and momentum i'm like that little kid mentality going to the movies gotta get my ticket gotta get in line mm-hmm. i get all amped up and then i just get mad at Bethesda for lying to me yeah <laughs> right it's just like man you said there's gonna be clans he said there's gonna be this he said there's gonna be this gameplay you promised me for a year now that this is gonna be the way it works and you didn't deliver it in the game yeah you know or it doesn't work it's like Fucking straight out broken. Yeah. I, I just remember laughing my ass off reading the Fallout 76 stories on Twitter and whatnot. But, and then look at, you know, you have the other side of the coin with EA and when they released Battlefront 2 and mm. the issues that that game had, not because of glitches, but just because of the mechanics and the whole lottery system that they essentially had. Crass consumerism. Like, let's call it for what it is, people. EA make more money off of FIFA because people are buying packs, right? Yeah. They're buying these player packs like crazy. I can say to you, honestly, I've never spent money on an EA game inside of it. Same. All right. I can't say that for all games. I have bought stuff in the division, maybe an outfit or something like that. I have, you know, in, in Destiny, I think I bought some stuff too. Yeah. But by and large, I'm not the kind of guy to do that. And what they did with Battlefront 2, I, I don't know. The graphics on Battlefront and Battlefront 2 are great. All right. I enjoyed the single player story in Battlefront 2. All right. Because I read the book that accompanied it. I'm that big of a geek. Um, the rest of the online play, I won't even touch. Yeah. Like, I pretty much buy those games so I can put their spine up on the in my Star Wars rack, my bookcase. Yeah. It's just so I can say that I have the content, I guess, because I just like collecting it. But the game itself is was just not my cup of tea. But then you put that consumerism crap on top of it, and it's just garbage, man. Like that that these kids are going out and buying it, and then they have to keep on buying. And it's a triple A title. There's no excuse. You tell me that that game, you know, as it stands right now, you could probably go out and download it for free. It's probably like you know, funny three ten ten bucks. You know, so oh, I can bucks. tell you because I bought it for sixteen dollars a few months ago. And this month, it's actually a free download for the PlayStation Plus members. Yeah. And you see, well, you can't be too hard done by by the 16 bucks, right? But the issue is, is is just how much extra cash they get out of you. You know, I I guess I don't have as big of a deal with it with a title like Borderlands, right? I know I'm going to play the shit out of Borderlands 3. I bought the, the full on everything's in it. The you know, the season pass, 
So all this stuff gets announced and it just comes in and then me and my friends play it because we all bought that premium version for the hundred bucks or whatever it was. But I'll tell you, I was like pretty pissed about the division too because I finished that the other week. We're still doing end game stuff or whatever, but we pretty much finished most of the content and I had to buy a $30 add on in order to play the New York division, which I thought was included in the game. Wow. And they got my money, but the game was already downloaded. Yeah. It just needed that unlock, right? Yeah. See, my brother <clears throat> refuses, refuses to pay an extra cent on a game. Um, you know, he's so old school to the point that he's like, those motherfuckers should have finished the game. You know, um, you know, the, the, the business model is what's really changed. It's not that they do it on purpose. Sometimes they do. Sometimes the game's just not done. So you have to, you know, <laughs> get the final version downloaded. But more often than not, you know, it's, it's, it's just part of the, 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 the world now it's part it's it's part of the lifestyle is having DLCs and having to pay more and it's just a different mentality but you still have old school gamers or cheap gamers like my brother who just absolutely refuse to pay an extra cent I don't think it's being cheap as much as it's about the principle of it as and this is where consumer advocacy groups or whatever are in our corner is that they should be delivering a product that works, all right? Like, I get it. There's bugs and, and maybe little things that crop up. But holy shit. Like, a flat out Call of Duty is episodic. So I get it. There's, like, these seasons, right? It's, they're trying to be Fortnite or whatever. But Fortnite didn't charge me anything. Not that I've ever played it. But Fortnite's free. So I get the model of milking me during the game. Yeah. But when you go out with AAA titles and you demand – that the consumer spends seventy to hundred dollars right out the gate, and then you further mine them. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting practice by by them. And the thing is, is that little kids are you know maybe it's hooked up to their parents' credit cards. That's and whatnot. And these kids are going through and buying all this add-on content in game, and then the parents are freaking out later, and and the company's going, oh, it's not our problem. You know, your kid's addicted to gambling now, and we didn't yeah. do it. I don't know. <laughs> Like, how many stories, just, and that was my whole point, that's kind of where I was hoping you would steer this, um, and, and it's just that, like, these, these kids, like, seven, eight, nine years old, who are becoming addicted, and they don't know any better, they just, you know, they just hit okay and confirm, and they don't actually know that they're, they need to pay for stuff per se, and if they do, they don't understand the value of a dollar, or how much the stuff actually costs, you know, their parents, and you see these horror stories of parents getting like thousands of dollars in in credit card fees based because of like Fortnite or NBA 2K or you know one of those types of games and it's just ridiculous. FIFA. Yeah, FIFA. Yeah, it's just FIFA. It's... Like I know the, there's horror stories of people spending over like like tens of thousands of dollars or more. Yeah. Just off of those packs, man. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I think FIFA accounts for like one third of the bottom line for EA. Well, it's as a also... company. Remember, uh, footy is the international sport, so every person exactly. will play that, as opposed to NHL, where only the Canuckians and the Americans are going to play that. Unlike, um, uh, I guess the NBA. NBA Live, you know, only well, um, I guess that's the other one that would be somewhat international. But FIFA is FIFA, FIFA is soccer, soccer is international, and it has so many licenses from so many leagues that it's the game that they can capitalize on the most. It's just unreal how they can get so much off of that game. Um, 
but the funny thing is i've anything in game on any fifa and i've been playing it since off of the sega master system yeah i used to play fifa yeah. Right, the, the first, Sega move. The I first remember that. FIFA the FIFA game that right? I played was FIFA '98 Road to World Cup. So, and I've been oh, wow. playing it since. But you know, let's. I think mine was like eighty. Here's a funny story. All right, talking about my my past here. I played FIFA. I I forget which version on Sega Master System with a guy named Brian Keane, and he went on to work for EA to do the the visual design for FIFA. Wow. He's moved, He's in Vancouver, last I heard, Very doing cool. FIFA titles and Need for Speed, I think. Nice. There's two little properties there that he was working Need on, projects that he was working that's on. That's a franchise that's fallen flat on its face. Yep, it shit the bed. Yep. Because remember when they were what Grand Theft Auto was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, well... You used to set your clock to Need for Speed, man. Like when that was coming out, I don't know what the fascination was. I guess it was because you got to to be against the cops or be the cops. It was a really interesting thing. And now I don't know. I've tried playing the games because they're pretty much free, right? So you either get it through the EA Pass or they come on PlayStation for free. Having both systems is great for seeing what kind of free crap I can get each month. Um, so you try it and then I'm like, the last two have been total train wrecks, man. They they feel like movies that are poorly acted in. And it's bad when studios do that. Yeah. That's where I want more actors coming in because we need integrity and performance because these guys just slap a mocap suit on some putts off the street and they don't deliver their lines or give a convincing performance. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and it's frustrating. That's part of it. And we, you know, it's, 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 we now look at the performance overall of a video game. Like there's certain games um you know that when voice acting became new if they those games were just absolutely horrible like the first game for me that really took it to the next level was mass effect um in terms of voice acting and 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 just having actors and you know turned cgi and telling a full story uh but before that there was there was a few here and there but it wasn't to that level um but yeah it's cool actually being able to see actors and and kind of that now we judge a game by its end to, end to end creative vision from how the game plays to how the game looks to how it's acted and everything um and how the game runs you know a game like uh fallen order star wars far wars star in order i generally a lot of the excitement washed away because of how buggy it was at launch. And, you know, oh. I, it took me a while to recover. And then when I got to the ending, I was actually pretty pissed off. Yeah, you know what? Fred finished it yeah, this week. I saw. I saw. <laughs> and I'm surprised that he didn't hate it more. He was upset that it was uh, short. And yeah. his, you know what? I spent more time backtracking in that game than any other video game I've ever played. And that's the the substance of it. Yeah, is you you'd have to try and figure out how to get back to your ship after you ventured all the way in through this maze of things, and then the map was just it was cool, but it was terrible to navigate with. Because you she... couldn't figure out like levels and and the complexity of things. So I spent more time just freaking running around in circles in that game Dothamir, than playing it. 
wasn't too bad. Kashyyyk was a pain in the ass, but the worst was that first planet, that ice planet where you're in all the ice caves and stuff. Yeah. I got lost so many times to the point where I literally rage quit and, you know, stopped playing for a couple days because I got that yep. lost. Or I didn't yep. know how to that, get to... That was a brutal, brutal first thing. Kashyyyk had areas that were frustrating, especially... What was the place with all the elevators? Yeah, and the, the imperial base. That was the first level, that that ice planet. Yeah, that was because the you planet. go there the first time, and then you go have to go back there. Yeah, and you got to uncover this whole other area of the map, and that was just fucking brutal. I was so upset trying to figure out and looking at YouTube channels at how people are walking back and trying to identify hallways. And, oh, turn here, turn here, jump. Oh, oh yay, my ship. The worst was there was an, I forget what planet it was on, but there was a console. But anytime I turned around, the, the console wouldn't light up and say, hey, do an action because of just how the cameras were facing. So I was literally lost for days trying to fucking figure this out. And I was doing it right. But the fucking thing wouldn't fucking light on. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's where I shout out to all the guys like Rad Brad and everything that make these YouTube episodic game things. Because I, I rely on those. When I get stumped, I'm like, oh, man, I really want to finish this game. I want to have fun with it. I look up something like that and I go, oh, okay, I'm, that's the console there. It's not lighting up. Exactly. I'm not, I feel so, for you, man. So one day, probably after the game's been out for a year and the game being Jedi Fallen Order, um, we should talk about that ending. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, was, I thought I was okay with it until I talked to you. And then I got really upset. Uh, that's why I was surprised that Fred didn't get upset about it. Because... That whole ending invalidated the entire experience. And it also... I've never cut, I've never seen a game shit itself like that. Like, honestly, what kind of... What were the writers thinking? There's obviously not much because they make the player endure as a protagonist. This whole experience and be so bound to this idea of... Yeah. of doing this of getting this information to free to get the padawans right you got to get the padawans who's gonna care for the padawans so you got you got this whole like save the children theme and then at the end he just pisses it away what on a whim like it wasn't even like there's there's ways that i think i told you in a rage exchange that we had I figured out like a way to end that game that would have made total sense. Yeah. And, and it, not betrayed itself. Yeah. Like I yeah yeah. Like felt, and then uh, the nostalgia very, kick with Darth Vader and oh. Yeah. I felt very angry like that ending because it just like you said it completely invalidated the entire game and all the work that you did and the game might as well finish with a big middle finger you know george lucas just giving you the middle finger kathleen kennedy giving you the middle finger um saying we fucking got you thanks for the 90 bucks yeah. assholes you know what and to ea's credit it was a single player game which is yes. what we all wanted yeah and i i enjoyed the experience of being in the universe Except maybe a little too much in the universe as far as walking through those tunnels. Yeah. But the story overall was okay. The ending was stupid. Yep. That and is... as well, it didn't hold up in canon. Uh, I, I know I pointed this we... out to you, but yeah. 
some of those stormtrooper outfits and some of the gear that were there were definitely Star Wars, but not in the period that it was trying to explore. Yeah, because it, it was supposed to take place five years after um, Order 66. Episode 3, yeah. So I'm like, man, oh man, the Empire really kicked the shit out of, out of stuff in order to not be using the ventilator class Star Destroyers anymore, scrapping them. Okay, that was kind of cool, but everybody was already decloned. Yeah. You know, there and, no and all the all the Star Wars, like the, all the troops, the stormtroopers and everything were like episode three and higher. And I'm pretty sure there are some pretty weird contortions, according to rebels and other things that take place in similar timelines that were vastly different. Yeah. You know, uh, shuttlecraft, uh, no, it was ATSTs. It... Everything like that, like an ATST from from Rebels, doesn't look like Empire or Return of the Jedi, and all the ones in this game look like Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi. I don't know. Maybe there's, you know, I'd have to look in one of the many books that I have in order to reconcile it, but something smelled odd. You know what it is? Is because I don't think that the EA wanted um, us to take that deep of a look into the canon and into stuff because we recognize an ATAT. We recognize these things. We recognize what a uh, stormtrooper is supposed to look like. So I think they just, you know, they had them literally on file um, quickly, you know, and get them into yeah. the game and, and voila. They didn't want to do so much of the redesigns per se. So I'm sure that there's creative technological reasons why they went that direction but it kind of hurt the overall experience in my opinion just because if you think about what's in canon and 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 this is the issue with having something um take place in canon is that we do then take a closer look and with a fine tooth comb and, and and make sure that it all fits um which is why you have to be really careful about considering something canon or not yeah, and, you know, Star Wars fans do it, but we're also used to getting the short end of the stick, Yeah, if I may put that out there. Because, like I say, there's been so many times where canon just doesn't line up at all. Shadow of the Empire and 64. Yeah, exactly. There's just... So they do have to be careful with it. Um, I, I don't... I guess I don't rate video games too high on my canon list. So that, that'll be the only forgiveness that I can give them because I, it is about the experience and it is about playing it at a certain point. So I had fun. They look like stormtroopers. I was a little bit tired of biker scouts holding those stupid zappy weapons yeah. uh, yeah, that could counter a, lightsabers. A repetition, but, um, at certain time. but it was cool <laughs> seeing the inquisitors and, and kind of like their back, more of their backstory and, and that stuff, I, you know, it, it, overall it was a good game, but the ending kind of, like I said, did give you a middle finger and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that and go into detail as to why it gave us the middle finger at some point in the near future, but getting back to video games and the PS5 launch, you know, it was something that I was thinking about last night, um, in kind of prepping of this show, uh, is kind of like, you know, the price point and how much should we invest in a video game console during its lifespan? And I started doing the math, you know, and, 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 and hear me out here. So when I bought the PS4, I'm not even going to say, you know, I'm not even going to count the fact that I had to buy a second system after my original system got flooded. Um, so, you know, at launch, I spent six, and the, all of these numbers are in Canadian dollars. Um, so take that into consideration as well. So I bought the system, an extra controller, um, and two games for $650 at launch, day one. 
at Walmart, 8 a.m., boom, 650 right there. And this game came out in November. By Christmas, I already bought three additional games, all at um, about $92. That's it's essentially what they cost here. So by the end of year of, of you know, year one, what I'm going to call, I've already spent $930 on the system. You know, this system's been out for seven years now. Every <laughs> year, I for sure buy more than 10 games. That's about $1,000 in games a year. We're looking at yep. an investment of at least $8,000 in this gaming system. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna gonna I'm ashamed I, and, and to I say this. I know that you're you buy a lot I've got more a, than I. Yeah, I've got a lot of games and the VR headset, and I upgraded to a pro. Yep. And yeah, and you know what? The the funny thing is, and this is where I have a bit of comfort with Sony. Sony are great because their machines work. I still have my original PS3. Yeah. All right. Xbox 360, I went through five boxes. Yeah. That Xbox replaced four of them. And then I just went out and bought a Gears of War exclusive Xbox 360. And that's been the beast that I have in my archives now. I've gone through three Xbox Ones. Two of them Microsoft had to replace. And then I just got fed up. I traded in a refurbished one that they gave me as a replacement and got the One S. You know, just taking advantage of the trade-in deals and, you know, oh, it's only going to cost me a hundred bucks if I do this. So I do it because, you know, there's a, it's like produce. There's a, there's a life cycle on it. There's a fresh date. So yeah, I spent a lot on it and it's crazy. It, it, it is absolutely nuts so, to think you know, about let's say how much money people spend. A typical person would spend, let's just say 8000 to twenty thousand dollars on the life cycle, in terms of hardware, software, uh, uh, peripherals, accessories, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, on a gaming console. When you consider that, and there's a reason why I'm saying all this, when you consider that investment, how important is backwards compatibility to you for a new console? As mm. you are dwelling this, thinking about this, like the thinking man. Yeah, it, it's it's important, but here's the thing, right? It depends on how the console launches. If you tell me that that I'm going to need to get rid of my old console to get the new console, then it's very important. But if I can have the two coexisting, not as important for me as a person, because I collect the old console, I'll keep it. Because I've ran into it many times where if you do a trade-in on that new console, you end up wanting the old console yeah. for certain experiences. So it's worth hanging on to them. And for me, I'm lucky that I can afford to do that, you know, knock on wood. Um, so it's not as important for me to have backwards compatibility, but for some people it's vitally important. I know that that is a metric, right? And But it's again, the, this stupid game remember xbox oh xbox one will be completely backwards compatible you know blah 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 blah. and then they had to redo the library yeah right and it took them years now to their credit they did it yeah so good on you microsoft good on you and they just basically built an emulator 
right? And then you'd go online and download the whole game in the emulator mode and just authenticate with your disc. Sony have been one of the few that did it well. Like, I know the PS4 is, is its own little thing. But my PS3 is the original Fat Hog PS3 yeah. that can play PS1 games, that can play PS2 games. That made it so much easier to get rid of my PS1. I did get rid of that. I still have my PS2 because I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, but I, but it does play the games. So like I can put my original Metal Gear Solid disc into my PlayStation 3 and it works. Yeah. Have you ever tried playing Metal Gear 1 lately? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Horrible. <laughs> I I'm sorry, but I really like the idea of Metal Gear. All right, Metal Gear. Oh, I love it. It's awesome a, property. Yeah. I fucking hate playing the games. Yeah. I like thinking about what the games do. I like where the games are do- doing things, but I can't stand stealth games. Yeah. It's it's just no fun, you know. Just uh, too much sneaking around and. I'm not. I'm not into that. I'm. I'm the aggro tank guy. I go right in guns blazing. That's why Metal Gear Five. I can kill it all. That's why Metal Gear Five was so good because you can do either or. You can go guns a blazing with your horse, or you can try to stealth your way into certain areas. Yeah, but it's hard, man. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Old men like me need easy games. <laughs> need an easy setting. All right. So, I tried playing that game, and holy cow, you cannot go in guns blazing. <laughs> yeah. So. Going back to the backwards compatibility thing, I had this discussion with my nephew, and my nephew, 14 years old, and as wise as he is, you know, he's starting to, you know, um, uh, really get to into the, the these things. Um, and one of the things he said was that, hey, PlayStation didn't talk about the backwards compatibility, blah, 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 blah. That's something that Xbox has, because they announced already that their entire library is going to be backwards compatible. And then I posed this question to my nephew. How many times are you going to put in an or an original Xbox game outside of Halo to actually replay? It's true. And <laughs> any game that is worth playing that comes from those original systems, guess what? They have HD remix now. Yeah. I'm just going to say it falls right into our theme of let's make the old stuff new again exactly so, so we can make the new resident evil ones yeah so here's in the th- hd 4k so here's the thing i was t- like and and my nephew was like so harping on sony about this like a true gamer and a true internet keyboard warrior and i'm like hey kiddo really are you ever gonna play those games and then i'm like the important thing for these companies is to make it backwards compatible with at least, you know, the top games of the previous generation. Like if I'm, here's a perfect example of, of what pissed me off with Sony when uh, PlayStation 4 came out. Uh, <laughs> GTA 5 <laughs> came out months before PlayStation 4. Um, and I bought the PS4 on release date at launch and I gave my brother and my nephew my PlayStation 3 because you know it was his first real console his it was he, all he had before that was a Wii so I just gave it to him unfortunately you know I gave up on a lot of those games because there was no backwards compatibility um 
native to PS4. So that, you know, that's what to me where it is important where you know you take the top whatever games and anything that was released within the last like year or two of the life cycle of yeah. a system and make sure that it works with the new system. But to play every single game that has ever come out for that system beforehand, I think it's just a stupid marketing ploy because no one's actually going to play those games and if you are, you're going to play the HD remake. You try to play Metal Gear Solid 1 or Resident Evil 1 or uh, GTA 3 on the original Sony PlayStation and you tell me how good of an experience it is. Yeah, it, it's true, man. It's true. This retro gaming. I, I know so retro. many people who do it. Like, I bought those little Nintendo consoles so I could, you know, fire them up in HDMI cable. $100 is not bad. And it's got the old controller. And I realized everything I hate about that old controller. And I realized everything I hate about those old games about how difficult they were uh, that's what I they love were challenging about that's what i love about them but yeah. there's a difference between and those... some people enjoy it and that's fine you know and that's totally great it's not my thing but to but me it's just amazing how it... much it gets respun and ah. yeah it's different though for like nintendo nes snes genesis those yeah. systems were just classic to a certain extent but when you got to playstation 1 and 64 xbox those games were horrible looking we were in this awkward stage of 3d was new so it looked cool at the time but when you revisit these games they're not good looking games at all um you know final fantasy 7 if you try to replay the original final fantasy 7 release it's not a fun experience at all overall to look at um so you know th that's why i say backwards compatibility to a certain extent is important but the way that xbox is going about it and some people are buying you know their 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 ish is that it's the entire library is going to be backwards compatible and to me personally that's just not relevant i want to make sure that like you know last of us 2 is going to work on my playstation 5 i want to make sure that that stranding that final fantasy remake is going to work on my playstation 5 but i don't care that a call of duty ghosts one you know won't work on yeah. my playstation 5 you know what was great uh i'll give a shout out to ubisoft on this one but uh, i think assassin's creed black flag was backwards compatible yes. so if you bought it on the ps3 you could put that disc into the ps4 i think it re-downloaded the game in the ps4 format but it authenticated off the disc and I so you didn't have to rebuy it that's what um i've heard rumors and i could be dreaming this and i don't want to look it up right now but i think cyberpunk 2077 is doing that as well that if you buy it for this generation console yep. you'll get like the automatic download for the next gen yeah i've heard something like that too so good on them you know that's i applaud forward thinking like that and yep. it makes it easier as a consumer to uh to believe in those brands but i don't think cd project run any uh shady stuff i think they're pretty yeah. uh, they have good integrity in the video yeah. gaming so uh, world with the witcher and stuff like that you yeah know? i'm not the biggest fan of the witcher it's just not my cup of tea overall neither am i it's not my thing not yep. my thing at all but i played it i, yep. I looked at it i, I observed it played it and i couldn't get past like you know 10 15 hours in um so yep. that was that um but so that's where i kind of stand on backwards compatibility and pertain as it pertains to these new consoles if we take a look at other stuff about the playstation 5 announcement they did say that the psvr 
will work on PlayStation 5. And I think that is an important aspect of backwards compatibility because it's kind of its own system as, you know, it's not part of PlayStation 4 per se. It's kind of its own thing that works off of that system. Yeah, it just hooks up through HDMI. There's a little HDMI yeah. block yeah. that comes with it. I'm sure they'll relaunch the VR at some point, I guess, depending on the economics of the adoptions and whatnot. I know that there's some great content coming out this this year for it. Uh, the, the Darth Vader stuff and, and Iron Man Iron and stuff Man. like that. Um, yeah, and I took the, the just a Astro Boy or whatever it is, a little little cartoony guy. His inclusion in that told me that, oh, either might, and then looking at the final lineup, not seeing the headset there, that means to me that my old headset's going to work. Yeah. You know, because they're making, they're showing me games that are definitely VR games. Yeah. So good on Sony for standing by because Sony don't have the best track record of standing by. Some of their stuff, Vita, Vita, Vita. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, um, good on them for sticking with it. And I'm sure it's, it's not, the most beautiful thing for their bottom line, but I applaud them for taking the chance on it yeah. and doing it because VR is cool when you yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I want to try it out at some point, but you know the price point just isn't worth it for me right now. Right now, the price point's a lot better than when I originally jumped in. Yeah, it was like s- you know six something went originally, right? I I got the I got the one without all the extra doodads because here's the trick: if you buy the one without the little wands. And you already have a camera, um, you get it for like it was I think it was five fifty yeah. at the time, and then uh, and then you just bought the PS3 ones because they're the same thing. Yeah, you bought them used for fifteen dollars yeah. at EB, <laughs> and then you'd have what they charge you a hundred for. All right, so we've talked about backwards compatibility. We've talked about some of the specs. We've talked about some of the games. Um, like I mentioned, the game that I'm looking forward to the most is Spider-Man. Um, there's a lot of talk about what that game actually is. Is it a sequel? Is it a continuation? Is it standalone? Um, tons of questions to be answered. Let's talk about the controllers. The controller, um, they say that, you know, there's a quote here. One of our goals with the next generation is to deepen the feeling of immersion when you play games. And we had the opportunity with our new controller to reimagine how the sense of touch can be added to that immersion. To that end, there are two key innovations with PlayStation 5 new controller. First, we're adopting haptic feedback to replace the rumble technology found in controllers since the fifth generation of consoles. With haptics, you truly feel a broader range of feedback, so crashing into a wall in a race car feels much different than making a tackle. On the football field, you can even get a sense for a variety of textures when running through fields of grass or plodding through the mud. The second innovation is what we call adaptive triggers, which has been incorporated into the trigger buttons L2 or 2. Developers can program the resistance of the triggers that you can feel the tackle, the tactile sensation of drawing a bow and an arrow accelerating an off-road vehicle through rocky terrain, um, etc., 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 etc. So, you know, it has the haptics, it has the new triggers, it has a built-in mic, it has the speakers. Um, yeah, it kind of looks Yeah, cool. it's, got a, it's got a mic connection too, so yep. you can put your headset yeah, into yep. it. Yep, yeah. Um, you know, it, lo- it looks really cool. Uh, I'm excited for it. And as well, there's the 360 sound set. That apparently, Sony's been working on that, the headset yeah, so- for the new type of sound. So, you know, Sony and their peripherals. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with you know, 
I don't really feel like the the existing Sony controllers have varied much over the years. Yeah, this you know, is they're, they're, by far the biggest shift and change since you know the original non. Um, Rumble Pack PlayStation controller too when they actually introduced oh, yeah. those. So taking a look at PS5 accessories since you brought that up, there is a Pulse 3D wireless headset offering 3D audio support and dual noise canceling microphones. There's the HD camera, there's an HD remote, and there's a dual sense charging station. Again, no release date, price points for any accessories. So who knows? If these will be available at launch, I'm assuming that most of them will be, um, but probably limited quantity and or who knows what the market is really going to dictate. But in terms of accessories, they have enough to get you, you know, at a good place for a new console. And overall, I'm pretty happy with with, with kind of what they have. And I think the um, media remote will be interesting because a lot of people do use their uh, systems for other stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it's good. Xbox have been doing that for a while now yeah. with the media remote. Um, the headset, I can say this. Um, I'm a bit of a headphone geek. Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, yeah, so right now, most of my gaming, I'm doing Dolby Atmos stuff, which I would imagine this Sony thing is going to be very comparable. Sony were really good at 7.1 surround sound in their existing headsets, their premium brand. Uh, that that hook up to the PS4, um, it was it was a great experience gaming with those, and uh, it's pushed me into some of the Plantronic stuff now, for most of my gaming, and I just do it through the controller. So, <clears throat> but you know, consoles like Xbox is something that's a big difference for me. I do enjoy Xbox because it has Dolby Atmos built in, so you can activate it and use it for music or whatever you're doing. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I hope Sony do the same thing in terms of, you know, keeping up with the HDR and the sound because all that's part of the experience, right? Yeah. Like it's like having a great stereo or whatever home theater setup. It's you want to have a great experience and, you know, that's why you pay for the content. Right. So one thing I do want to touch on is the whole expandable storage because one thing about the PlayStation 4 that really hurt me at launch was only having a 500 gigabyte um, hard drive. Now, I know that a lot of people were um, swapping out the original hard drive and you can swap in your own hard drive, but that's not really going to be possible with the PlayStation 5 at launch. You'll be able to connect... Um, uh, non-Sony proprietary expandable storage to the USB, but actually putting in a new drive might take a little while just because of the technology that's being used on the PlayStation 5. Um, so, you know, that's kind of interesting news. It's good and bad news. It's good because you'll be able to expand your storage, but it's bad because, you know, it, it's going to be a separate um, device as opposed to you being able to swap out hard drives. And that's just a technology um, decision that and a drawback there. Well, you know, Sony have really made big deal about this SSD yeah. that they put in there. I think it, 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 the rumors are is that it's going to be two terabyte on launch, so it's not quite as handicapped or or, or diminished as as the PS4 was on launch with the, the agreed 500 mega or 500 gigabytes was way too small, right? I think I'm rocking. For three three and a half terabytes right now on my PlayStation Four. Internal, uh, internal and external. Nice. I have an internal uh, SSD hybrid drive 
running as my main, and then I've got an external additional storage. Now, anything that I'm gaming on, I try to move to my internal drive. Yeah. And anything that I'm not gaming on, I'll, I'll swap it out and put it over to the external, even though it plays fine off the external. Like if I'm yeah, in a pinch still. and I just want to play a game. But I think that's going to be a real issue with the new systems because the SSD, if it's, if it has any impact like my SSD computer does, it's going to make old computers feel old. Like it's going to make old games feel old. We were just right? having this conversation before we started recording because the laptop that I use, it's, it's my beefy personal non-work laptop. It's an HP um, NV that came out in 2015 with Beats Audio. Um, it's an i7, um, uh, 16 gigs of RAM. I never updated anything. It's still using the original everything. It's got a, um, an, a GeForce... Uh, uh, graphics card. It's got everything, but there's one issue with this fucking computer. <laughs> it has a non-SSD drive, and it just slows everything down. And it being so powerful and not having an SSD drive kills me so much because it literally takes me about ten minute, ten to fifteen minutes to get to a point where I can actually use the computer. And but once it's working, it's working great. But that difference between having an SSD drive and a non-SSD drive and an optical drive is just so crazy. So I think it's it's amazing how much my life has changed. All right, now I switched over to a MacBook Pro a while ago, an i5 MacBook Pro with SSD, and uh, and uh, I've I've got an Asus Vivo book right now. It's amazing how different the experience is overall with just having an SSD and how spoiled I am now to hit the power button and have my computer up in like thirty seconds. You know, like that, that's just blows me away. And I don't take it for granted. You know, I've even adapted most of my family's computers to um, SSDs as well, because it's been such a game changer on the whole computing experience. So I can only imagine what it's going to what it's going to mean for PlayStation 5 and whatnot. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, it's just, yeah. So. I will say that that's where we are going to see some issues with PlayStation 5 and, and Xbox for sure in regards to external storage. Um, and it'll be interesting to kind of see the size of these games because some of these games now are ludicrous in size. Um, you know, 100 Call gig, of Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, 100 gigs. Even for the free version, it's 100 gigs. You know, it's just absolutely insane. It's insane. 100 gigabytes for a fucking game. And you know, yeah, you and the update the updates are like 40, 50 gigabytes at a, at a time. So I don't know what the end result is in terms of the total storage occupation, but to pull in 50 to 75 gigabytes worth of updates means that you have to have a lot of space just free yeah. on your hard drive. Otherwise, it refuses to download it. Yep. So I, I, that was a, I finished Call of Duty just so I could get it off my main drive because I needed space to for other games yeah no and to me that's crazy like how much like i understand why but it's just to me it's just crazy just how big these games are so we've talked about specs we've talked a little bit about the games we've talked about compatibility and features and accessories and peripherals and after a three-hour show here on the it's Canon podcast Phil, 
Are you sold with what you saw on the PlayStation 5? Will you be a day one customer? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I will be, you know. Um, Sony are good at taking my money. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I'm, I know you're going to be there. so I'm going to be there right beside you probably. We'll, yeah. we'll be, you know, barbecuing outside in November, December. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it'll be interesting. It, it's, it is fun to watch all the stuff. It's entertaining, right? So the competition, the games, the developers, everything like that. Um, but I am, I am, I'm still enjoying my PS4. Like that's the thing. Like Last of Us Two is probably going to be a month of my life, in my spare time, right? Like, of me playing that and getting freaked out by the zombie things and all that. You know, I, I just. Those horror games don't sit well with me, but man, the storytelling is so good in it. So I, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of life in the PS4 too. Uh, you know, maybe I won't be there day one. Maybe I'll be there day two. I don't know. We'll I'll see. Be, oh yeah, I'll be there day one just because I've basically promised my little sister my PS4, my little sister, my younger sister, my a PS4 <laughs> uh, when five comes out. So that's why again I'm hoping that PS5 is backwards compatible for the important games. Not everything has yeah. to be backwards compatible. All right, so that's that. Wow. I'm tired. That's a marathon. That, yeah. that, that, was, that was a good one, Phil. That was a very good one. Uh, but before we go, Phil, do you want to tell our awesome listeners how they can get a hold of us? Yeah, you can find us on basically any podcast uh, uh, software. So Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, pod, um, just anywhere you find podcasts, just look for It's Canon Podcast as well. You can find us on Twitter. It's Canon Podcast. Uh, Facebook. Instagram, any way that you want to engage us, we're here. Uh, let us know what you're geeking out on, and uh, be sure to click the subscribe button. That's exactly it. There you go. So that was the It's Kenan Podcast, and thank you for joining us on this monthly Geekapalooza Geekathon. It felt like um, we'll be back next week, and like I said, we will be announcing what we're going to be talking about sometime in the middle of the week on Instagram Live and all of our social channels, so be sure to follow us at It's Canon Podcast. You'll be able to reach us. Let us know what you think of the show. Hey, and also, when you subscribe on Google Music, Spotify, whatever it is that you use, leave us a review, leave a comment, leave some stars. I want to really see what people are thinking about us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, um, and we will start chatting and giving our review of the week. And you might be able to get something a little special from us if you do leave a review. But leave a review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us out in the grand scheme of things. And by helping us out, we'll be able to help you out and talk more geek with you. So, as always, I'm Boris, and I was joined by Phil, and it's the It's Canon Podcast. Thank you so much, everyone. Hey, I think it's the main question on everyone's mind is, like, how much